one so intent was faint upon solving the puzzle of Lucian's box he didn't hear the great bell begin to ring. The device had been constructed by a master craftsman, and the riddle was this that though he had been told the box contained wonders, there simply seemed to be no way into it, no clue away. Any of its six black liquid faces as the whereabouts of the pressure points that would disengage one piece with its three-dimensional jigsaw from another. Frank had seen similar puzzles, mostly in Hong Kong, products of the Chinese taste for making metaphysics of hard wood. But to the actuality and technical genius of the Chinese and the Frenchmen who brought a perverse logic that was entirely of his own. If there were a system to the puzzle, Frank had failed to find it. Only after several hours of trial and error did a chance just just a position of thumbs, middle and long fingers bear fruit. An almost imperceptible click, and then victory a segment of the stock slid out from beside its neighbours. There were two revelations. The first, the interior surfaces were brilliantly polished. Frank's reflection distorted, fragmented, skated across the lacquer. The second, the late Linmar Shard, who had been in his time a maker of singing birds, had constructed a box so that opening it tipped a musical mechanism that began to tinkle a short radio radio of sublime banality. Encouraged by his success, Frank proceeded to work on the box feverishly, quickly flying flesh alignments of fluted slot an oiled peck which in their turn revealed further intricacies, and with each solution each new half twist of a pole a further melodic element was put into play the tune counterpointed and developed until the initial c- c- caprice was all but lost in the ornamentation in, at some point in his labours, the bell had begun to ring. A steady, sombre tolling he had not heard, at least not consciously. But then, but when the puzzle was almost finished, the mirrored inwards of the box and lighted, he became aware that his stomach churned as what so violently a sound of the bell that it might have been ringing half a lifetime. He looked upon, up from his work. For a few moments he supposed the noise be coming from somewhere in the street outside. But he rapidly dismissed that notion. It had been almost midnight before he began to work at the birdmaker's box. Several hours had gone by, hours he would not have remembered passing, but for the evidence of his watch since then. There was no church in the city. A hell of desperate for um, adherence. That would ring a summoning bell at such an hour. No, the sound was coming from somewhere much more distant, though through the very door, as yet invisible, that lately marched miraculous box had constructed to open. If in that Kitchener had sold him the box, I promised of it was true. He was on 
afresh over the new world of Proverbs, infinitely far from the room in which he sat, infinitely far, yet now, suddenly near. That thought made his breath quick. He had appreciated this moment so keenly, planned with every wit he possessed this rendering of the veil. In moments it would be here, one Krishna had called a the Cenonite bites, theologians of the order of the Knash, summoned from the experiments in the higher reaches of pleasure to bring their ageless heads in the world of rain and failure. He had worked ceaselessly in the preceding week to prepare the room for them. The bare balls had been miraculously scrubbed and strewn with petals. Upon the west wall he set up a kind of altar to them, decorated with a kind of pacidatory offerings Krishna had assured him would nurture their good offices, bones, bobbins, needles, a jug of his urine, a product of seven days' collection, stood on the left of the altar, should they require some spontaneous gesture of self-defilement. On the right, a relict of doves' heads, which Kitchener also advised him to have on hand. He had left no part of the vocation, ritual, unobserved. No carnival eager for the fisherman's shoes that would have been more diligent. But now, at the sound of the bell, became louder, drowning out the music box he was afraid. Too late, he murmured to himself, hoping the quail was raising fear. Lead motion hands of device was undone. A final track had been turned. Trick had been turned. There was no time left for prevarication or regret. Besides, had he risked both life and sanity to make this unwilling possible? The doorway was even more now opening to the pledges no ma- more than a handful of humans that ever known existed, much less tasted. Pleasures which would refine the parameters of sensation. It would release him from the dull round desire, seduction, and disappointment that had dogged him from his late innocence. He would be transformed by that knowledge. Wouldn't he? No man would experience the profanity of such feeling and remain unchanged. The dull, bare bulb in the middle of the room dimmed and brightened, brightened and dimmed again. It almost he had taken on the rhythm of the bell, burning in the hottest of each time. His troubles between the chimes and the darkness in the room became utter. It was if the world he had occupied for twenty-nine years had ceased to exist. Then the bell would sound again, and the bulb burn so strongly it might never have thought For a few precious seconds, he was standing in a familiar place with a bell door that led out and out and out into the street, a window from which, had he but the will or strength to tear the blinds back, he might glimpse a rumour of the morning. With each petal of bronze light was becoming more revelatory. But by it he saw the east wall frayed, saw the brick momentarily lose solidity, 
a blow away, so, in that same instant, the place beyond the room, which the bell's den was issuing, a world of birds, was it? You vast blackbirds caught in perpetual tempest. That was all the sense he could make of the province from which, even now, the heredophytes were coming. But it was in confusion, and full of brittle, broken things that rose and fell and filled the dark air with their fright. And then the wall was solid again, and the bell fell silent. A bow flickered out. This time it went without a hope of rekindling. He stood in the darkness, said nothing. Even if he had, could remember the words of welcome he prepared, his tongue would not. <laughs>